Well, good morning, everybody. We have a guest speaker today. Just flew in from L.A. Boy, are my arms tired. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, it's great to see you guys. Thanks for being here. Uh, for those of you who don't know, my name is Rob, and uh, I get to share with you a little bit today. We uh, started off our, a new series uh, just a few weeks ago. Pastor Dan talked about um, opening up a series about 2020, seeing, seeing through God's eyes in 2020, having clarity, if you want to call it spiritual clarity, as we, as we go through this next year. And that was fantastic. Then last week, uh, DJ spoke on love and understanding love and having that in our lives to be able to see clearly as we uh, grow. And today I'm going to share with you a little bit about forgiveness. And uh, it's uh, one of those things that uh, there's a lot you could talk about and share. I want to share some of my story and what I've learned about forgiveness because I don't know about you, but I... I, uh, growing up, or, you know, I, I wasn't in a Christian home when I when I became a, a Christian. Uh, I heard the word forgive a lot, but I had no idea how to do it. I didn't understand what it meant. I could say the words, but man, some of us in this room uh, have been through horrifically painful things in your life, and when that happens, there has to be, in my opinion, a way to process that. And uh, I didn't know how to do it, man. I, I, I just held all this stuff in, and it became unforgiveness, and it led to a lot of issues in my life. So I wanted to share with you some of the things that the Lord showed me. But before I do that, I wanted to share a, a quick story. Uh, it's a true story. Um, why are you guys laughing? <laughs> a few years back, Amy and I were at a church in Phoenix, and... Uh, we were sitting there getting ready for the message, and man, I started to feel really sick. Like, I was going to throw up, no, it's gross, any moment. Like, you know when the saliva starts pouring in, like your body's like, man, it's time to get it out, baby. And so Amy goes, you're not going to have time to go to the men's room. It's all the way across the, the other way of the building. Just go out front, and there's some bushes out there, and do your business there. No one will see you. So I exit the scene, you know. And uh, I come back, and she goes, well, that didn't take long. And I said, I know, I, it didn't at all. I didn't even have to go to the bushes. Uh, I, out in the foyer, Dan had mentioned the foyer, um, there was a box that said, for the sick. So I, <laughs> I threw up in the box. I didn't, what's that? I never got invited back, and the ushers that counted the offering that month were very mad at me. That's just how simple I can be. Uh, and Amy, like I say, she's processing, forgiving me for embarrassing our family. Um, anyway, I wanted to get into uh, forgiveness and, and just a few thoughts before, we, before I unpackage something from, from Scripture. Uh, I truly believe forgiveness is a foundational thing in our Christian walk. Uh, DJ last week spoke on love, and I was thinking about that, and I was uh, praying about that, and I, and I had this thought, in, in, in essence, unforgiveness is a short circuit to love. I really believe that. God is love, and because we're created in his image, we have the capacity to not only love, but also forgive. And that's an amazing thing. That's the only way that I believe we can we have the ability to forgive is knowing he's forgiven us and we have that capacity to forgive. Uh, but when we choose not to forgive, or perhaps we don't even know how to forgive, uh, it short circuits love. 
and uh, in many, many ways. Um, I, uh, I just believe in my life, man, I, I had uh, so much unforgiveness in, in, some, in some people that had hurt me for years, and I didn't know how to process it. And it became not only hatred, but it just became bitter and, uh, and anger. A lot of times, anger in our lives is founds its, it finds its root in unforgiveness. Uh, I've seen it in my life. Just It'll turn into rage, and you don't know where it's from. Well, I would submit a lot of times it's from unforgiveness. There's something in our heart and uh, that God wants to deal with. Man, I didn't know how to do it for years, and so I stuffed it. Do you guys ever stuff stuff? And eventually, not only will that lead to depression and other mental issues, but, man, it becomes... Uh, a festering wound that leads to so much more pain. And uh, my friend Dave Dennis told me this yesterday. He, he said, uh, someone told him one day that forgiveness is a lot like, or excuse me, unforgiveness is like me taking poison, drinking poison, and expecting the other person to die. Because it literally, it literally gets down in the, in the innermost part of us and eats us up. So, that's why Jesus, thank you, Jesus, he talked about forgiveness, and he knew it, and he loved his disciples, and he knew that if they didn't understand this, man, it's uh, going to cause problems. And so I want to pick this up in Matthew 18. I'm going to be reading from the Amplified Version, so I will be speaking louder than normal, okay? <laughs> Let's just get ready for this. Tap your papers. Then Peter, <clears throat> no, just kidding. Then Peter came to him, this is Matthew 18, there it is, and asked him, Lord, how many times will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven? Up to seven times. Now, you, I, I'm thinking Peter had thought this through. The context of this is they'd been talking about who's the greatest in the kingdom. They'd been talking about uh, if your brother sins against you in the church, how to deal with this and go to him and all this stuff. So I think Peter's been thinking, man, I... I I think seven's a lot, man. That's got to be the number. Scripturally, seven is the number of perfection. It's a number of maturity. There, there's a lot of different meanings. but So, uh, you know, the, the context of it is, hey, man, how many times I got to forgive my brother? Seven? And then Jesus blows him away and says, I say to you, not up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. In one day. Now, what's he saying? I, I don't fully... I wasn't there, so I, I, but I think, here's what I think he meant. A lot, right? Unlimited in a day. Unlimited, really, for the rest of our lives, because people are going to hurt us. We're going to get hurt. We live in a fallen world. You're going to get hurt. We hurt each other. There has to be a way for us to process that, or, man, we get stuck. We really get stuck. Up to seven times 70. And now, in verse 23, Jesus takes it now from just a conversation to a kingdom issue. And he says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the accounting, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Now, just to give you an idea of a talent, some of you may know this, some of you may not, uh, a talent was simply a weight of gold. It was like a bag of gold. And one bag of gold, one talent, was equivalent to 15 years' wages. So this guy owed 10,000 15 years' wages. And if you do a short calculation mathematically of, a, say, a 
$60,000 a year uh, salary in America today, it's $9 billion approximately. So in other words, a lot. <laughs> a lot. Astronomical. Cannot be paid. There's no way. And, and you wonder, how did this guy even get to that place, man? How did he get to a place where he owed 10,000 talents? But because he could not repay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and his children, everything he possessed, and payment be made. Right? I'll take you, your wife, your kids, your house, everything. Sell, I'll sell that, and I'll take that money. It'll settle it. And then the slave does something I think I would probably do too. <laughs> he fell on his knees and begged him, saying, have patience with me, and I'll repay you everything. And here, this next portion here is what I'm submitting is sort of a process. It's a messy process, but it's a process of forgiveness. The master's heart was moved with compassion. He released him, and he forgave him the debt. He canceled the debt. Three things. Compassion, release, forgive. I cancel it. Well... That same slave went out, found one of his fellow slaves who owed him 100 denarii, which is approximately a month's wage, a lot less. And he seized him and began to choke him. Let's see the picture. He'd just been forgiven all this stuff. And he goes and finds somebody who owes him, and he grabs him and says, pay it back. The anger comes out. Pay it back. Pay what you owe. So his fellow slave fell on his knees and begged him earnestly, have patience with me and I will repay you. But he was unwilling and he went and had him thrown in prison until he paid back the debt. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were deeply grieved and they went and reported to their master with clarity and in detail everything that had taken place. Then his master called him and said to him, you wicked and contemptible slave, I forgave all that great debt of yours because you begged me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave who owed you little by comparison as I had mercy on you? And in his wrath, his master turned him over to torturers, jailers, until he paid all that he owed. My heavenly Father also will do the same to every one of you if each of you does not forgive his brother from his heart. So the interesting thing about this story is it's about forgiveness, but it's also about unforgiveness. This slave chose not to forgive. And I would submit to you, he, in this story, he's turned over to the jailers, torturers. Another translation said tormentors. In other words, unforgiveness, in my opinion, will lead to our personal torment in many ways. It just will torment you. And, and, uh, and I get it, man. I mean, I, you hear it in all the you know, Christian circles. Man, you got to forgive, you got to forgive. And I believe that, but I had no idea how. I didn't know how to process it. And it was eating me up. Um, it was eating me alive. I, I, uh, they, they have done studies, and they have found that unforgiveness is directly related to mental illness, depression, anxiety, also physical problems, heart problems, high blood pressure, People have all kind of digestive issues because of unforgiveness. So I think it's pretty important. I think in my work, the work I do a lot in counseling and, and whatnot, 
Uh, it, is the, it is at the root of every person I talk to. They, they have not been able to process some of the horrifically painful things that have happened to them. And uh, I would say, Alex, Alex is a professional counselor. Would you agree that forgiveness is a, is a big issue? Alex has is, is been a professional counselor for many, many years, and he's helped me, and under, helped me understand some of this stuff. And man, it is rampant. Um, it's rampant. Well, I want to first talk to you about what I think forgiveness is not. So let me read you a few things. And what I'm doing here is uh, telling you uh, about what people have told me they feel it is. They come and they're asking for help and they say things like this. Hey, it's just justifying the other person's behavior. That's all I got to do. If I just justify what they did, that's forgiveness. I don't think that's forgiveness. Um, How about this? They'll come and say, hey, all I got to do is ask God to forgive them. Then then they're, they're forgiven. But they don't process the forgiveness. You see what I'm saying? So that's not, that's not forgiveness. Many times they'll say, hey, I just need to understand them a little better. I need actually to just forget it and move on. I got to move on past this. And I submit, I don't believe that's, that's forgiveness. Try forgetting something that was so painfully done to you. Can you do it? I can't. God can forget. I think people confuse this. They think God can throw our, they say, Scripture says, he can throw our sin into the sea of unforgetfulness. He can forget. But humanly, I don't think it's possible to forget. I I believe we can process through forgiveness so we don't jab somebody and try to kill them with, with bringing something up all the time, right? We can process that and let the Holy Spirit change us from the inside out. But, dude, you can't forget it. I, I, I've tried, and I've talked to many, many people over years, and they cannot forget it. So that's not forgiveness. Some people say, man, I just got to deny it. It really wasn't that bad. You know, I don't think that's forgiveness either. That's stuffing it again. Just need to move forward. A lot of times people will say, well, you know, in order to, be, to forgive, I really need to be reconciled. And that's a whole other message in and of itself. But just in short, I don't believe forgiveness is the same as reconciliation. We can forgive people and release that and never be reconciled to them. And let me clarify that. Because reconciliation, in my understanding, requires two reasonable people that are willing to come together and talk and work it out. If the other party is not willing to do that, you cannot be reconciled. But you can forgive. Do you see the difference? That's just how I see it. I could be wrong. I didn't do so well in high school, and my SAT scores were very low. So, amen, brother. That's right. I'm with you. (laughs) So, no, I did okay. I did okay. I used to... I used to believe that the amount of weed that I would smoke helped me and my intelligent quotient grow, and that's not true. It's not true. I've proven it. I went down from... (laughs) Oh, boy. Ah, Let me clear my throat. Anyway, so I believe none of those things are forgiveness. That, That is not what I think forgiveness is. Now let me tell you what I think forgiveness is, and I'm going to break it into three parts, and I'm going to talk about each one of them. First of all, number one, forgiveness is a kingdom issue. I said that earlier. 
It is a kingdom issue because I believe essentially uh, at its core, forgiveness is an expression of love. It's an expression of love. And even if somebody has horrifically hurt you, there can be compassion that we have, like this master, and I believe that's only possible supernaturally. It's not something we can muster up. How can you have compassion over somebody that raped you since you were four years old until you were 16? Talk to people like that. Beautiful women that were abused. It's rampant. It's rampant what happens, and it's horrifically painful. They come in my office, and they're crying, and they don't know how to deal with it. They're so mad, and I don't blame them. I don't blame them. So I help them the best I can and say, you can't come up with that compassion, but God can give you his compassion. And it can begin to open the door to forgiveness. That's supernatural, man. It's only, that's the only way that I believe it can happen because otherwise people try to muster it up and they can't. We have to ask God and for his help and he helps us with that. Uh, secondly, forgiveness is a process. As I mentioned, and we're gonna, I'm going to talk about this a little more in detail, but it's, there's got to be, in my opinion, some sense of compassion, then a releasing of the debt, and then a forgiving, a cancellation of the debt. The releasing of the debt is very important. It's about debt. Somebody hurts you, right? Here, here's a good way to look at it. These Really, unforgiveness is centered around, in, in my understanding, uh, about making judgments, when someone hurts us, we begin to condemn them for that. We begin to condemn their actions. We have a sense that justice has been violated, and so I'm going to put myself in a position to judge that person. We almost want to sentence them to death or some type of punishment. And what I'm going to submit to you guys is that's not our place. Only God has the authority to judge. And we can release the debt to him. It doesn't have to go into some black abyss someplace of hatred. I just got to really, we can walk through this with the Lord and release it to him. And he's big enough to take it. And then we can cancel it. What I mean by that is, let me give you an example. Say I, uh, you guys, say Nathaniel, Nathaniel Lair, wants to borrow my computer and I'm over in my office and I say, sure, man, go ahead, you can borrow it. And I walk across the street and I, and I get a fish sandwich from, from McDonald's and I eat it. You don't like fish sandwiches from McDonald's? Some of the freshest fish in town. <laughs> whatever, man, whatever. So I finish my sandwich, I come back and my computer is on the ground, cracked, smoking, the screen is broke, everything's burnt, to, it's gone. There's no way to fix it. And Nathaniel goes, man, I am sorry, dude. I, it slipped, and it fell, and it's broke. And I go, man, that's fine, Nathaniel. I totally forgive you, man. But it's going to cost you a 1000 bucks. Is that forgiveness? I don't believe it is, because it's about the debt. It's about the debt. If I re truly forgive you, I would say, you don't owe me anything. I forgive you. Now, that's hard to do. Something's been done to me. That, that's just a silly example, but compare it to a lot of other things. See, it, it's about the debt, and I can release it 
and I can forgive it. I can say, you don't owe me anything, man. I believe that's, that's what it is. Let me give you a, a, a definition of forgiveness. Yeah, Gesundheit. That's German. <laughs> is it German? It's not. Is it German? Yes, it is German. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not that stupid. I know. German. Anyway, let me read this definition to you. I think it's a good one. It's one that I kind of put together. I've stolen it from different people. There's a lot of definitions, but I think this captures the essence of it. Uh, I don't know if you have that up now. I didn't, I didn't give her the definition. I'm sorry. Let me read it to you. Forgiveness is an act of the will done by faith before God in which we give up our right to hold another person accountable and or punish them for the wrong that they've done to us. I'll read it again. Forgiveness is an act of the will. See, it's a will. It's a choice. I do not have to choose to forgive. We don't. But there is a consequence to, to not forgiving. It's an act of my will, your will, done by faith before God. We believe God's in it, and he's going to do something in it. It's not just you by yourself. It's a supernatural event. I believe that with all my heart. Done by faith before God in which we give up our right to hold another person accountable. You have a right to hold them accountable. You have to be willing to give it up. You have a right to punish them, but you have to give it up. It's a choice. Does that make sense? I can punish people in all kinds of ways. Uh, We can do that. We can punish people in all sorts of ways. Um, silent treatment, avoidance. See, see what I'm saying? We punish, we'll just hold on to this, and man, you're never, ever going to get into my life again. We'll do that. See, that, that holds us uh, in a place of darkness that's not from the Lord. And there are many other definitions, but I think that one captures it. I've, th- I've thought about this a lot, a lot of years. And I think that one grabs it. If you have a better one, let me know. I would love to hear it because I want to add to it. This is ongoing, right? That's why he said, Jesus said seven times 70, it's ongoing the rest of our lives. It's not a one-time act. It is like an onion. It will unfold another layer here, another layer there. And pretty soon you can walk, you and I can, we can walk in freedom the more we process it. The more we process it. God initiates love and forgiveness. Therefore, we have the capacity to forgive. It's all from him. We're made in his image, and we can forgive. I believe in this story, the master is an expression of our father in heaven, the master. And we are the slave. We owe a debt that is insurmountable. It cannot be paid, in essence. And he forgives us. So from that, we can forgive. I believe it always starts with that. Lord, you've forgiven me. Thank you. And it tenderizes us, doesn't it? It puts it in perspective. And then I can choose then to forgive. It starts the door. The door, the door begins to be open to forgiveness. Compassion or love is a key to forgiveness. And I mentioned this. Uh, I want to tell you a little bit more. How do you have compassion on someone that horrifically hurts you? And I'm saying it has to be supernatural. It cannot be something you study. It can't be something that you look at. It has to be a supernatural thing that God 
gives you. And here's what I've found in, 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 in helping people or working with people over the years. I do, I simply ask them when they're praying, ask the Lord how he sees that person. And all of a sudden, they see something different. See, that's, a, that's compassion from God begins to help, help open that heart because God shows them how that he sees them. It doesn't excuse what they did at all. It's not okay what they did at all. It was wrong, right? But compassion is started, and people begin to pr- be able to process this, uh, process through this. It's supernatural. Love begins to flow. Um, like I said, there's many other definitions. Pastor Dan gave me a few to think about, and I thought they were really good. It means to remit or to send away. I choose to send away this debt, and there's no limit because people will hurt us the rest of our lives. We'll get hurt, and, and man, we need to understand, man, there's a way to process it. It's about the debt. I want to read you a statement that sort of captured where I was with my hatred towards a certain person in my life uh, that led to my mental illness. I had mental illness. I needed to see a psychiatrist for a long time. I needed serious help, and uh, a lot of it was tied to unforgiveness. And so what I'm saying to you isn't just something I read in a book. It's something that I, uh, I experienced it, and like many of you. And so, but this is, this is how I would describe myself. The moment I started hating a man, I become his slave. I can't enjoy my work anymore because he even controls my thoughts. My resentments produce too many stress hormones in my body. And I become fatigued only after a few hours of work. I was sleeping 15 hours a day, and I was exhausted. So much internal stuff, and it was eating me up. The work that I formerly enjoyed is now drudgery. Even vacations cease to give me pleasure. The man I hate hounds me wherever I go. I cannot escape his tyrannical grasp on my mind. That, that is heavy stuff, but man, that's what it leads to, this hatred. I would wake up in the middle of the night and have nightmares of me murdering this man, murdering him, killing him, and I would see myself. I would use different weapons. Sometimes it would be glass. Sometimes it would be a hammer. Sometimes it would be anything I could do to kill him. That's not normal. <laughs> that's demonic. That is hatred, and I didn't know how to process it. It was eating me up, killing me. Well, I have a couple more hours left, so let's get into the real message here. Just kidding. Ephesians chapter 4, 32 says this, but instead be kind and affectionate towards one another. Has God graciously, has God graciously forgiven you? Then graciously forgive one another in the depths of Christ's love. That is how we have the capacity to forgive, in understanding we're forgiven. And everything, everything has a consequence. But we can let the Lord take care of that. He's righteous. He will judge all of it, and we can release it to him. We can release it to him out of knowing we're forgiven. I want to mention real quick here a pattern that I've noticed in, in, uh, 
in my, my life and the people that I've worked with over the years, it's, it's a pattern of unforgiveness. So here's what generally happens. We get hurt, we become angry, and then we protect. That is a normal response to getting hurt. Okay, we get hurt, we get angry, and we begin to protect. That, that uh, pattern, I believe, is evidence that there's unforgiveness in our lives if that, that from that protection. So a lot of it is laying down some of those protections. Does that make sense? Here's some of the protections that I'm talking about. These are some that I've come across and I've done myself. I will begin to exaggerate or brag or become critical and a, ne- and a very negative person. That's a protection. Uh, I'll rationalize and I'll make excuses. I'll become more perfectionistic in life to hide and protect myself. Does that make sense? These are things that people do. It's what we do. Attention getting, compulsive work or busyness. People will pour themselves sometimes into a lot of religious activity to avoid the pain. They, they will, that's a protection. It's not wrong to necessarily, but it, it can become wrong because it's a protection. And God wants to get into our heart. He knows. Over, uh, well, I, I mentioned this, running away from problems or pressures superficial relationships and using humor as a cover-up to keep people from getting too close. It's a protection. Sarcasm, suppressing feelings, on and on. There's all sorts of ways we protect. And what I'm saying is until we choose to lay down those protections and let the Lord into that, we'll continue the process of that pattern. Um, And sometimes... I, I, I understand the heart has been broken so hard, so bad, and we guard it because God gave us that capacity to guard it. It takes our, God's a gentleman, and it takes, he will wait for us to ask him permission, give him permission, excuse me, to open our heart. And sometimes we can only open it a little at a time. But he's faithful to come in, and he begins to do that work. I don't care how dark it is, how deep it is. I don't know what you've been through, but it's interesting, isn't it? In the, in the space-time continuum, we find ourselves here and now learning about forgiveness. And so somehow, the Lord wanted us to, to talk about it. And I believe there's freedom. I do believe it's important to understand this, though. Anger is not a sin in and of itself. I think people confuse that. Man, I'm angry. It can become sin. But it's not an, a sin in and of itself. It's simply a secondary emotion that is an indicator. It's like the pressure or uh, temperature gauge on your car. If it gets into the red zone, boop, 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 beep, 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 it's time to not get mad at the, not to get mad at the indicator. Stupid indicator! You pull the car over and look under the hood. Something's wrong. It's the same with us. When there's anger, God is saying it's okay to be angry, but what's going on in it? And then in Ephesians chapter 4, 26, Paul gives us some very wise, wise words here. In your, be angry, but don't sin in your anger. It could become rage. It can become a lot of things, anger. So don't get mad that you're angry, but look at it. And he says, don't let the sun go down. In other words, deal with it at some point sooner than later. Don't just let it go on. Don't let the sun go down. And then the last one. And don't give the devil a foothold, a stronghold in your life. That can be a lot of things. But in my experience, giving the enemy a foothold has been listening to lies 
and letting that define and, and justify my anger. The enemy will come in and, and you'll begin to, we'll begin to justify it. It's, I have every right to hold on to this. And he begins to, it's through our minds. It's through the lies of the enemy. Don't, we don't want to give him that. We don't want to give him that. We can deal with this. And here's an important thing to remember. The other person may not change their behavior just because you forgive them. Man, this is a hard one. Now, I get it. There needs to be the sense of us working on ourselves, letting the Lord work on us, and there should be some changes in that, especially in marriages and all that. I get that there's change, right? But um, I believe that I, I know I've been confused. I thought if I forgive this person, they better stop doing what they did, and they, they, many times they have not. That's between them and the Lord, and that's part of the release. I can release it and know that my heavenly father is righteous. He's a good judge. He will deal with it. I don't have to carry that anymore. Does that make sense? It's really important. So I want to close. I want to wrap up. And I want to uh, do a couple of things. I want to, I want to, uh, whoops. I want to walk through a little process that I use in counseling that I learned years ago. Uh, and I've, 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 I think the Lord just, let me see this, and I've added to it, and he's showed me some things, and, and it will help us to process this. So would you bear with me for just a moment, and I want you to just kind of close your eyes and think about what I'm saying. You don't have to, you just let the Lord show you some things. So Lord, we just come before you. And I call this the courtroom, and I'm just going to talk about it. I have people sit there, and I say, I want you to use your imagination. It's okay to use your imagination and see yourself in a courtroom. And they do. And then I say, I want you to put the robe on. You're going to be the judge today. You're going to hold the gavel in your hand. You're the judge. And man, it's pretty heavy because all of a sudden, depending on the wound, we suddenly realize, man, I can't, I'm not, I don't have the authority to judge. But it's all going on in their mind. And I say, now I want you to call this person that we're dealing with today down to the to this judgment seat. You're the judge. You call them down. And, uh, and I have them call their name out. I call this person down. And as they walk down, I say, what do they look like? And man, it's amazing. They begin to see a lot of things. And it's important for that person to see it because the Lord's doing this. We've prayed. We've asked them. And they see pain. They see arrogance. They see hatred. Whatever they see is for them. It's for you in that moment. And they see them. And then... I say, well, we're going to walk through now and you tell me everything that they've done wrong that you can think of today. There may be others, but right now in this moment, what comes to mind? And I do the work. I write it all down. Sometimes they're crying because it's painful, man. I did this. I felt so shamed. I felt so unworthy. I felt so dirty. I felt so, so unloved. 
and all this emotion. See, that's important that we feel it. We stuffed it for so long, you know. And then I have the person say, today I, I, uh, I've realized I don't have the authority to judge you. Only Jesus does. And in order for me to turn you over to him, I need to walk through forgiving. And then they say, I forgive you for this and this. They say the words out loud. I forgive you for this. I forgive you for this. Sometimes it's a few, sometimes it's a lot, but it, the point is it's for that moment for them. And the Lord's with them. The Lord's with us. And then I say, now I have forgiven you and I turn you over to Jesus' court. And they slap that gavel down. And I ask them a question. I say, what's Jesus do with them? Because Jesus came in and he was standing next to them. And he was speaking to them, showing them how he sees them and all these things. Jesus came in. Where do you want to go? And it's amazing. People will say he puts his arm around him and he takes him out and he does this, he does that. But here's the point. They feel relieved because they've released it to Jesus. They feel it. It's a heaviness. It comes off, man. You feel it. We feel it. Say, what? Now remember that. that. That feeling, remember that. You no longer have to carry the weight anymore. Jesus took it. And then I ask him one last question in this courtroom. Please ask Jesus to forgive you for judging this person. And they do. Jesus, please forgive me. I don't have the authority. I've judged them. I've had all this... And it's amazing. They sense and they know what Jesus forgives them. And it's a powerful thing. It's an awesome thing. And this is just one way that I know to process it, but I hope that resonates with you. Jesus is very much wanting to be involved in our forgiveness process. We don't do it alone. We can't do it alone. He'll walk right with us. We invite him in, and he does his mighty work. And I've seen people that have been abused for years and, and such horrific pain that they're walking in freedom, man. They come out and they're like, I don't, what happened? Here's what I know happened. Jesus came in and he did a miracle in you because you, you allowed it. We allow him and he will do it. I want to show you a clip here. Uh, this is from the movie The Shack. Before you pull it up. Uh, I don't know if you saw that movie. It's, uh, it's a powerful movie uh, in many ways and ab about forgiveness. But the particular scene you're going to see is one uh, where this gentleman is dealing with some unforgiveness. And the older gentleman represents God, the father. And he's having this conversation because his daughter was murdered. And he was really in a bad place. So can you pull, pull that up for a moment, please? He killed my daughter. I want to hurt him. I want him to hurt like he hurt me. I want you to hurt him. I know you do. But he too is my son. And I want to redeem him. Redeem him? He should burn in hell. So we're back to you as the judge. So you, you just 
Let him get away with it. Nobody gets away with anything. Everything bears consequences. What he did was horrible. I'm not asking you to excuse what he did. I'm asking you to trust me to do what's right and to know what's best. And then what? Forgiveness doesn't establish your relationship. It's just about letting go of his throat. Mac, the pain inside is devouring you, robbing you of joy and crippling your capacity to love. I can't. You're not stuck because you can't. You're stuck because you won't. Wow. I think that that clip just sort of really puts it in perspective. And I just want to pray for us as we go now um, that the Lord would would do some work in your heart if you need that. That know know that as you go, it's you're not alone. We're not alone.